2,000 years ago, when the kingdom of heaven was spreading through the Roman Empire, do you know what those first Christians were called, aside from the expletives and the obscene language that was used to name them? What were they called? Yeah. People of the way. They were called people of the way. Now, that's something of an odd name, isn't it? People of the way of the way. Why the way? There's layers of meaning to this name. And as we go further up and further in to this journey of apprenticeship to Jesus, I think this is going to help us a great deal to understand why those first Christians were called people of the way. Now, the book of Acts uses this term for Christians some six times. Paul himself calls Christians people of the way. He talked about persecuting the people of the way. So where did this term come from? Where did it come from? Well, it can be traced back to one of the famous I am statements of Jesus that we find in the book of John. We're going through the book of John, looking at a number of of themes, of, of patterns, of designs that carry all the way through the book of John. In this series that we're in right now, we're looking at the seven I am statements. So there's seven different times that John curates, he puts forward seven times that Jesus says, I am, and then dot, dot, dot. And these statements are identity statements. They're the way that Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah, that I am the Son of God. And so today, we look at the last one of the seven. And so between the table and the cross, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Between the Passover meal with his close friends and between, and between that and the cross when Jesus is hanging there in front of all the masses, he gives us master class. He teaches what apprenticeship to him looks like. He's talking about what it looks like to live this life of the spirit. And so he says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Now, Jesus, before he says this, he says some really troubling things. He says, I'm going to go away and you can't go with me. And then he says, one of you is going to betray me. And then he says to their stalwart leader, Peter, you'll deny me. And so you can see by those things he just said, they're all shaken up, right? They're their leader, their, their Messiah, their master's gonna go where they can't go, they can't be with them. Not only that, he's gonna be betrayed by one of them and then one of them will deny him, right? He's just radically shaken their world. So rightfully so, they're troubled. So Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't freak out, take heart. And so that's where we pick up. John chapter 14, uh, we'll start at verse one. If you have your scriptures, uh, open up to John 14, verse 1. It'll be up here on the screen as well. Here's what Jesus says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we do not know the way where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay. See, Jesus is not leaving to abandon them. He's actually leaving them to abide with them. His temporary leaving is going to be bringing about eternal life. He's going to leave them to prepare a place for them so that they can be together. He's leaving to help them enter into this new existence, deep union with God. So he says all this, and then he says, oh, and by the way, you, you know the way. <laughs> and it's so great. Thomas is like, no. No, we have no clue what you're talking about. Like, Thomas is, is one of those guys. He's curious. Um, he speaks with candor, and he's like, Jesus, we don't know what in the world you're saying right now. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know how to get to where you're going? So he asked this question, right? And then Jesus drops this captivating and famous line. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. So it's important for us to understand um, the question that precedes the answer. So if we know the question, it'll help us understand what Jesus means when he says the answer. Because sometimes we rip it right out of context, we just hear the sentence, and we don't realize it's part of a larger dialogue. So we need to understand the question. How can we know the way to where you're going? The answer, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what in the world does all that mean? Well, let's get into it by doing this. Let's talk about roads, shall we? Let's talk about roads. So the word that Jesus uses here for way um, is, he would have said it in Greek or it's recorded in Greek, and the Greek word is, is hadas. Um, the Hebrew word uh, is, is the word derek, derek. Um, and these words, uh, they have three key meanings. So first one is a road or a path. That's a literal road or a path. So out in front of me, I'm looking out at uh, Derek Delval right now, right? Derek Delval or Hadas Delval. And if you go to Hadas Delval and you take a left and then you take a right, you're going to be on Hadas what? Santa Rita Remain, right? Okay? So it quite literally means a road or a path. But there's also another meaning, which is the meaning of a journey. This is the arc of one's story, the shape of one's life, right? The, the, the adventures, the things we undergo, like the steps that, that we take to go from here to there, like that, that transform our character, the journey. Then there's a third meaning, and this third meaning means manner or approach. And that's how one goes about their life, how one goes about their journey, how one walks down Hadas Del Val. Do you walk slowly? Do you walk quickly? You know, are you, are you walking with a limp? Are you running? Like, how do you go about that journey? So again, right, the first one is rather literal. What is the way to my house? Well, the way to my house, the Hadas the Derek, is Santa Rita, 580, 580 East, out to Vasco, out to the outer orbit of Livermore, to this land called Vasconia, where a few people live, all right? That's the literal way to my house. The figurative version is referring again to this journey of life, your life going from here to there. It's the trajectory of your life, the journey that we are on as followers of, of Jesus. 
And then again, the third meaning here is, is the how. The how rather than the what. It's the manner or the approach or the method. So, so think of it this way. Say you meet somebody really intriguing at a, at a party. And they, there's just something about them. They have a different kind of light in their eyes. They, they use words differently. Um, they act differently. There's just something different about them. You might talk with somebody later and be like, I really like so-and-so. They just have a way about them, right? They have a way about them. Or to flip it, let's say you meet somebody and they're just this like grumpy curmudgeon, right? They're just selfish, they're, they're narrow, they're just uh, curt and, and brusque and, and it's just a real unpleasant experience. And you say, you know, they have an unpleasant way about them, right? So I think, I think that makes sense to us. There, there is a way that we engage this world. And, and this hit me in a, a rather um, strong way this, this past week when I was reclining in a dentist's chair. Um, so uh, I had a, uh, a rough hygienist, okay? Like, like rough. Um, she seemed more like an assembly line worker than a healthcare provider. You know what I mean? Right? Um, so she was just hurried. Uh, she, she was not picking up on cues like when I was in pain. Uh, she was not picking up on cues on when I, I needed to swallow, right, or when I needed to rinse. Not picking up on any cues. And, and she, she was like an angry miner with a pickaxe going after granite, okay? <laughs> that's, that's what it, <laughs> it felt like. And there was just zero warmth. It was just all perfunctory. I felt like a project or a widget to be worked on and then, then move on. She had a way about her, right? <laughs> a way. Um, I'm being generous, by the way, with all this. Uh, she had, she had a, a way of seeing the world and acting in the world that affected me that was not for my flourishing, Okay. But that's not the hygienist I had this past week. That was a long time ago. Um, the hygienist I had this past week was awesome. Like she was sent from the Lord above, okay? She, she was amazing. She would explain, here's what we're gonna do. Here's why we're gonna do it. Oh, did you know this about gums? Did you know this about teeth? And she just had a real warm conversational manner. She treated me like a human being. She had a very non-anxious, unhurried presence, and she used that little pick thing like an artist, right, um, with, with, with gentleness and, and strength. She was amazing. She picked up on cues. She knew right when I was needing a, you know, rinse. She knew right when a nerve was spiking, so she's like, oh, okay, I can tell. Let me, let me work around that. She was great, right? You, you want that kind of a hygienist. She had a way about her. Somebody's way makes all the difference, doesn't it? Somebody's way makes all the difference. And as apprentices of Jesus, we are to have a way about us. And that way that is to be about us is the way of Jesus himself, right? And we are to be the theological and relational equivalents of that amazing hygienist. To bring a love and a warmth and a care for other people into this world that is for their flourishing. But honestly... So many professing Christians are hacking and slashing their way through this world and causing a trail 
of damage, professing Christ, but living a way that doesn't look, smell, taste, anything like the way of Jesus. We are to watch our way, right? We are to watch the way we live. Now the scriptures talk a great deal about walking this way, walking the path of life. And sometimes when it uses the word hados or derek, it means that literal road. Yet often that image or road an image of a road or a path is a metaphor for the life journey that we have, right? And it will refer to the manner in which we live. So think of the famous verse, right? Think of Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the, the way of the sinner. So this verse isn't saying blessed is the person who always avoids Main Street and never walks on Main Street, the literal road, because there's sinners there and you don't want to be by them. It's not what it's saying, right? It's saying, blessed is the one who doesn't have a way about them, who doesn't walk that style of life, who doesn't do those things and see the world the way that those people do. Right? It's talking about our, our way, our manner, our approach, and how we're walking out this life. We are to walk differently than those who don't know the Lord. That's what it's saying. Now, um, so so put that in your head here, and let's make this clear. Every one of us has a way of life, right? Every one of us, one, has a journey that we're on. We all have a story. And every one of us has a way in a, a life, of life, an approach, right? Um, a, a way that we go about life, how we go about life. So we're all on this journey, and we all have a way of going on this journey. And that means we all have a way of seeing the world, imagining the world, and we have a way of being in the world or inhabiting the world. We have habits that make up our life. So how we see the world and how we inhabit the world make for our way of being. Okay, are we on the same page there? Okay, great. So let's go back now to the words of Jesus with that word work in our brains about the way. So let's look at verse four through seven here. So Jesus says he's, he's going to be going away, and, and then here uh, Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how in the world would we know how to get there? And then Jesus says that he is the way to go where they need to go. So Jesus is the road somewhere, right? He's the road from some here to some there, and we're going to see that Jesus is the manner. He is the approach by which we walk that very road. So there's, there's a double meaning in here. So help me with this question. What, this way that Jesus is, is the way to where? What's the where that he's talking about? What's the where? Our text tells us, right? It's the second half of verse six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. The Father is the where. The Father is the where. See, our destination is divine relationship. It's intimacy with God, our Father. It's abiding with God. It's dwelling with the God who's designed us to dwell with him. From Genesis on, the whole story arc is about God dwelling with his people and his people dwelling with him. Total mutual flourishing, glory, and delight. That's, that's the big story, right? So that's what, what Jesus is talking about. That's the where, dwelling with the Father. So Jesus is leaving to prepare for his followers this incredible thing called union with God. And it's going to happen through his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then his spirit coming so that we can be united to this God. So that's, that's the where. It's not just some like 
baller, heavenly mansion that's just some projection of our own materialism for this, this mass desire for more square footage and plush amenities that we never use. Like, he's not just saying, I'm gonna give you a really big home. The, the word there for mansions um, is actually dwelling place, that you would dwell with your father. Now, that's gonna be more mind-blowing than we can ever think of, but let's not limit it to some materialistic thing. Let's see that it's about relationship and union with God. So he's talking about a place with a person, not merely some place, okay? And he says that they know the way to the place because they know him and he is the way. So Jesus is the way, the road to dwelling with the Father. Now let's look at verse eight through 11. Then Philip jumps in on the conversation. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves, like the things that you have have seen. Okay, so the way is all about knowing, being with, dwelling with the Father, and Jesus is the way in which we know and dwell with the Father. And, And at this point, I think we should talk about exclusivity for a little bit. So when people talk about the exclusivity of Christianity, the exclusivity of Jesus, this is the passage that comes up, right? Because how do you know the Father? What's the only way to the Father? Jesus, right? Jesus is the only way to the Father. And and you might have heard it said, you know, well, why does there only have to be one way to God? Why in the world does there only have to be one way? That just seems so narrow, so, it seems so exclusive, so much so that it's, it's unloving. Our culture has a gag reflex for exclusivity, right? But here's, here's why this seemingly compassionate and, and logical argument is actually, is actually nonsensical and, and unloving. Um, and you're gonna be like, wow, he's so brilliant, so prepare yourself, okay? Um, how do I have a relationship with anybody? How do I have a relationship with, with my wife, for instance. Okay, you ready? By having a relationship with my wife. Okay, because here's the deal. She's not an abstraction. She's not some kind of um, floaty truth that you can just think about. She's a being. And there is a mutual knowing of each other, right? Same, same with a friend. Like, you know, how, how can I... How can I know Joe? By knowing Joe, by having a relationship with him. I can't have a relationship with him by not having a relationship with him and having it with somebody else, right? So I I know that seems kind of obvious and, and silly to state, but the reality is God is a person. God is a being. He's not some abstraction and not some theological thought that's just floating in the ether that you can kind of come to that thought through, through some other way. No, you have to have a relationship with 
him. And Jesus is the manifest presence of God. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's saying, I am God. So there's only one way to have a relationship with God, and that's by having a relationship with God, and that means you have to have a relationship with Jesus. So is the, is the Christian faith exclusive? Gloriously and wonderfully exclusive. It's a beautiful truth because it is a relationship of intimacy. And what happens so often in these conversations is that we confuse different kinds of knowledge. There's different kinds of knowledge in the world. And there's a knowledge that you could call propositional knowledge, where you have data or information about something or someone. But then there's another kind of knowledge that's called interpersonal knowledge. That's where you have a mutual experience of each other. Right? And that's what saving faith is. It's this mutual experience of each other. It's knowing in an interpersonal way who God is by having a relationship with God. So it's very exclusive and it's a wonderful, glorious truth. It's not something we should shy away from. We should engage that conversation when somebody says, well, it seems, seems unloving. In fact, it's the opposite. We actually have a love relationship with God because he's not an abstraction. And so therefore, it's exclusive and wonderful and good. Okay, so... Jesus is the road, he is the path, but he is also the means by which we go from a without God life to a with God kind of life. He is the truth, he is the ultimate revelation of the Father, and so if you have the question, what is God like? Well, you look at Jesus. If you have the question um, of, well, how does God feel about us, or how does God act towards us? Again, you look to Jesus. So, Jesus is the way because he is the truth and the life. Jesus is the way because he is the truth and the life. He is the way because he is the truth of who God is. And we can know the Father because he has made himself known in Christ. But Jesus is the way in the other sense as well. He is the manner, he is the approach, he is the method of living this with God life. So. Jesus is the way because he is the truth and he is the life, right? He's the truth of who God is, but he's also the life, the indwelling life that allows us to be in, in union with him. He sends us his spirit. So he is quite literally our, our life. Now, um, there, there's a story in John chapter four. Do you guys remember the story of, of the Samaritan woman, right? Jesus goes to the well and there he's talking with the Samaritan woman. They're, they're getting into this whole conversation Jesus like blows her mind because he reveals that he knows things and that he is the Messiah. And a part of that conversation, they start talking about worship. And she says like, well, where's true worship happen? Does it happen on Mount Gerizim here with the Samaritans or is it on Mount, uh, Mount Zion in Jerusalem? And then Jesus says this in John 4, verse 23 through 24. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So here's what's going on. He's saying something very similar to what he's saying in John 14 when he says he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So true worship happens through spirit and truth. In other words, what he's saying is, you need to know the God you worship. 
you need to know the truth of reality. You need to, to know this God who's over all things and who is saving you. And that's the truth piece. Jesus reveals the truth of who God is. He opens up and exposes reality. So we're not worshiping some abstract God or, or some unknown God. We're worshiping a very specific God, and this God is Yahweh, and we're worshiping Jesus, right? Okay, so that's the truth. But then he says, worship in spirit and truth. What's the spirit thing? Well, it's not enough just to know about that God. You need to be in relationship. And he sends us his spirit, right, to turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh and knit us together with him so that we can actually live this life of love. So truth and spirit, that's how we worship this true God. And and Jesus is saying the same thing when he's saying he's the way. He is the way, he is the truth of who God is, And he is the very life of God that breathes into you. So it's a full-bodied reality. And that's that's what's happening here. So we as his people, as as his, his apprentices, right? we are people of the way of Jesus. And who he is shapes who we are. So he's the way. We are people of the way. We're people who know who the Savior is. And we're people who love him because he has breathed his life into us. And so Jesus is the way we go about our days. We are spirit-empowered people who are growing in Christ-likeness. And that is the process of apprenticeship. Okay? Now, um, here's our call as apprentices of Jesus. And our call is this. To orient your entire life, to arrange your everyday around abiding with Jesus and obeying Jesus. This is the organizing principle of the life of an apprentice. We are to organize our entire life and to arrange our every day around abiding with Jesus and obeying Jesus, which simply means we think about our days, we strategize our days, we organize our days to spend time with him and to do what he says. Like that is the core of of being an apprentice. Uh, An apprentice carpenter, an apprentice plumber, they organize their day around being with that master, right? Sitting on the plumbing truck for five years like I did with my dad, like being with him, but then also doing what he says, right? Being with, abiding, and doing what they say, organizing your day, why? So that you can eventually look like that master, right? And that's what we're doing. Is we're, we're being shaped into the image of Christ. So this is what we're called to. But the question is this, how? Like, how do we do this? How does this not just stay up here in the ethereal idea land? How does this actually get into the texture of your lives? How does it actually get into your nervous system and mu- into your muscle memory? How does this shape your Monday? How does this reframe that meeting that you're dreading that you're having to head into? How, how, how do we orient our entire lives? How do we arrange our every day around abiding and obeying Jesus? What specifically does the way of Jesus look like? Well, this is where the idea of the practices come in, okay? These are the the how to the what, so to speak. And then how do we know the way of Jesus? Well, we look at the life of Jesus. We read the scriptures and we see his way. 
And so we've done that. We've, we've looked at the scriptures. We've seen his way. And so we've articulated seven of these practices that help us come into align with who he is by the power of the Spirit. Okay? These are not how we earn salvation. This is how we live out of our salvation now that we're empowered by a spirit living within us and it's only in us because of the grace, because of the work of Jesus Christ, right? So now how do we live this life of loving him and loving others well empowered by his spirit? And that's the practices. So we have what we call the, the, the practices of, of apprenticeship. We have seven of them. Um, so here they are. Um, and this is, this is our way of apprenticeship to Jesus, so those, those are these key seven that we've talked about. We're going to talk a lot more about this year. Scripture meditation, unceasing prayer, right? life together, unhurried presence, joyful generosity, compassionate gentleness, and faithful witness. And when you look at the life of Christ, you see this is his way, the way he saw the world and the way he inhabited the world, the way he was experienced. He was a really good dental hygienist, right? You know what I mean? Scripture meditation. <clears throat> what is this? Well, this is listening to the voice of Jesus above all other voices by delighting in and meditating on the word of God. There's a lot of narratives out there. We have our own internal narratives, but what's true? The word of God shows us reality, shows us who we are, who he is, and what's going on in the world. And scripture meditation, this is our way because it was first Jesus' way, right? Jesus listened to the voice of his Father above all other voices. He meditated on the word of God. He knew the truth. He knew who he was because he spent his whole life meditating on the word of God. So it was first his way, now it's our way. Unceasing prayer, how about that one? Well, that means talking with God first and most about everything. Unceasing prayer doesn't mean you can't go to work because you have to be on your knees doing the Our Father, you know, you know, 30,000 times in a day. It just means you go about your day talking with the God who is actually there with you, right? And this is our way because it was Jesus' way first. Jesus was always in conversation with the Father. He says the things that he, do, he does, he's doing because he sees the Father do them. He would talk with the Father. He would pray with the Father amidst all the other you know, apprentices being around him. He would go away to, to quiet times to be with his Father. <coughs> so unceasing prayer is our way because it's first the Master's way. How about life together? Did Jesus exhibit life together? Absolutely, right? The way we talk about life together, it's practicing true community in which the love of God takes on flesh by loving one another. So it's our way because it was first Jesus' way. Jesus lived life in rich community. I mean, it was part of the culture he grew up in, but, but he was part of a, a family unit in a little village for some 30 years. And then he lived a thick community life with his apprentices, with his disciples for three years, eating together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like they fell asleep next to each other around the fire. They went through ups and downs together. They lived a thick community life together. So this is our way because it's Jesus' way. How about unhurried presence? Living life at a with God pace, slowing down and being attentive to God in the present moment that he has graciously given you. Again, this is our way because it was first Jesus' way. If you wanna talk about a non-anxious presence, that's Christ, right? 
He was not clamoring. He was not grasping. He was not trying to like hold everything together and frustrated by it all. He moved at a with the father kind of pace. He was attentive to the moment. He saw the people who were in front of him. He took time for solitude and silence. He got away from the crush and the crowds and the, the, the models of success that the world was pushing on him. And he got away and he got into solitude and into silence. And he Sabbathed. He followed the Sabbath and he rested to be with the Father. Joyful generosity. Loving others by freely sharing what God has graciously given you. This is our way because, help me out, it's Jesus' way, right? Jesus loved others by giving himself completely away. He self-sacrificially gave everything, died for us, right? The cross is the great emblem of joyful generosity, right? It was, for, it was the joy that was set before him that he could go into the agony of the cross. And that joy that was set before him was union with, with the Father, was bringing the family together, So he joyfully gave his life away for the good of other people. That's what we're called to do, is give our life away for the good of other people. Compassionate gentleness. Loving others through the proper and compassionate use of power that God has given you. This is our way because this is Jesus' way. And this is so countercultural to the way of the world that says you get yours, you take yours. It doesn't matter who you step on or who you push out of the way but you get what you deserve, right? Jesus, the son of God, the creator, the king of the cosmos, could have called down the battalions, the legions of heaven to overwhelm people with, their, with his splendor and with his might and kind of coerce them into to worshiping him, right? Creating this great um, divine spectacle. But what does he do? <laughs> he becomes a carpenter, he lives in anonymity for some 30 years. He gives his life away. He hangs on the cross naked, though he had the power to get off of that cross. He stayed. He gave up his rights to redeem and to restore. He did not hold on to them for his sake. He gave them away for the good of other people. He had compassion in his guts so much so that he was willing to lay his life down and his power down and his rights down and his due down to give us what we aren't due to save us, that we might flourish. He is not the way of bullying or coercion and he is not the way of grasping and clamoring. He is the way of service and affection. Now, faithful witness Telling the world the good news of Jesus with our words and our deeds, right? This is gospel proclamation and ministry of mercy and justice. This is our way because this is Jesus' way. He was the prophet that the Old Testament was pointing to. That someday there'll be a prophet like Moses who is that prophet who comes to speak the truth of who God is. That's Jesus. He is capital T, capital P, the prophet. He is the truth teller, the, the truth speaker who tells the good news of what God is doing in this world to redeem and restore the broken, right? And to make them like him. So he used his words, but he also used his deeds, right? He preached, he taught, but then he acted, he healed, he cast out demons, and he showed mercy. Full, holistic ministry. And that's what we are called to as his apprentices. Word and deed. 
Right, guys, these are the ways of Jesus. This is the approach of life that he showed. This is what we are called to. This is our way of life. So we are to orient our entire life, arrange our every day around abiding with Jesus and obeying him by way of the practices of apprenticeship. So the question I think now that's, that's hanging before us is, um, is Jesus your way? In other words, is Jesus that road from, from here to there? Is Jesus for you the way that you go from isolation to community? Is he the way from darkness to light? Is he the way from death to life? Is he the way from wickedness to righteousness? Is Jesus your way to the Father? Have you entrusted your life to him? And do you know that he is the only way to truly know God? And if so, then there's a question for those of us who profess faith in him. Is the way of Jesus your way? Is, is his approach, of, is his manner of life the way you're walking the road of this journey that you're on? Or do you profess Christ, but then walk away that looks nothing like the way he lived? It looks nothing like how he inhabited this world. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna do something that's hard right now. Okay, um, this, is, this is going to be a hard application for us all this week. In light of all this that we talked about, what if we do a way of life audit? The word audit freaks me out. Um, but what if we do a way of life audit instead of just hearing what we heard and going about our day, but reflect on this and do something about it? So here's a simple way we can do a way of life audit. First, um, Open up a journal or, or some note on your phone, okay? And then if it is a journal, um, on, on the left side of the page, you know, put um, attitude, like how I see the world. And then on the right side of the page, put habits, how I live. And what you're going to do is you're going to try to bullet point this. You're going to try to actually take some observations from your life and put them down. Uh, but here's the key, like, we need to pray that the Lord would help us to see clearly and actually be able to face the reality of how we're living life. Because sometimes we go, yeah, 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 I'm doing it. But then actually you do an audit of, of your time or your resources or the way you live and it shows something radically different. So we need to pray, Lord, would you, would you help me to see clearly and give me the courage to face what's really there so I can get healthier, right? Then, here's another challenging bit, seek input from trusted others. Like, hey Brian, how am I using my time? Like, I think I'm using it this way. Or, hey, hey, hey Eric, um, how am I perceived? I feel like I'm friendly and kind, um, but maybe I'm a jerk on Sundays. Like, help me out, like, what, what are you seeing in my life, right? And those are scary conversations, scary questions. And then do this. Assess where the practices of apprenticeship, the way of Jesus, are absent or present in your life. Like if you, you, you write all this stuff down and then you're, you're like, scripture meditation isn't even showing up on either page. It's like not there, that's a problem. So then do that assessment. Where are the practices of apprenticeship absent or present in your life? And then lastly, in light of that, rework your goings and your comings, right? Orient your entire life 
arrange your every day around abiding with Jesus and obeying Jesus through these practices of grace. Is everyone excited about the homework this week? Woo! Bring it on. I believe God can powerfully move in our hearts when we reflect on what's actually going on in the life of community by the power of the Spirit to honor him so that we can live more like him and grow into his likeness. We're not saved by by our effort, we're saved by grace, but that grace radically changes us to want to live in line with this great giver who has breathed his life into us that we might live in love like him. And so would we commit to doing this kind of audit this week and seeing how the spirit would speak to us, would lead us and transform us? So with that, back to the beginning, the first Christians were called what? People of the way, right? The first Christians, were called people of the way, the way of Jesus. They were not called people of religious notions. They were not called people of the good intentions. They were not called people of the philosophy. They were not called people of the guru. They were not called people of the life coach with great life hacks. They were called people of the way of Jesus. And Jesus is the way because he is the truth of who God is. And he is the way in which we enter into that life of love. So Jesus is the way, and who he is shapes who we are.